the Windigo. I debated sharing this story for a while. The people who would have got angry if I did are mostly dead now though, and I don't think it's going to be popular enough for the rest of them to find it anyway so, here goes. When I was a kid I grew up in this small town in South Dakota called Clearwater. It's not in the scenic, lol, parts of South Dakota but on the Great Plains. There's nothing but flat, treeless grassland for miles. Clearwater could maybe just over a thousand residents, just barely big enough to have a McDonald's, being a rural town. There's fuck all to do in Clearwater, but it used to have a state park that has since been permanently decommissioned. I say that in quotes because Lake Clearwater Park was barely bigger than 100 acres, and didn't consist of much more than a tornado shelter, a dock, an outhouse and some picnic tables. The lake is where all this shit went down. Most rural areas are full of legends and ghost stories and Clearwater wasn't any exception. Every abandoned farmhouse is haunted, every light in the sky is aliens, but the most popular local legend was that of the Windigo. We white kids didn't really hang out on the res, and only had a second-hand knowledge of what an actual Windigo is, but we took the name because it sounded cool. The Windigo's shtick was that it could perfectly mimic any sound or voice it wanted, and would use it to lure victims to their deaths. Nobody ever actually claimed to have seen it, and we had no idea what it could possibly look like, but anyone who spent too much time outside alone would eventually come back with a story about how they totally heard it. There wasn't a lot of tree cover near Clearwater, save for the small but dense forests surrounding the lake. After the state decommissioned the spark, they even hauled the sand away from the beach. Can you believe that shit? Like why? It became a prime candidate for the Windigo's lair. The rumor was that the state shut the bark down after the Windigo pretended to be a crying kitten, and lured two small children to the dock and pulled them in and drowned them. There is a memorial plaque near the dock for two children who did die there, so that part is true, but it's more likely that it was a tragic accident in my opinion. I can only imagine what their parents felt like after their babies got turned into some bullshit ghost story. The park had been closed for a decade. I was going to high school at Clearwater High, go Pumas, and I had a little friend group made up of Jamie, her boyfriend Gabe, and Gabe's younger brother Noah. Out of these, me and Jamie are still alive, but Jamie has been in and out of hospitals for multiple suicide attempts. She hasn't spoken to me in years. I'm kind of afraid to reach out to her, because I think bringing back the old memories will only make her worse. Anyway, there was a day in July we just could not decide what to do. There's only so many times you can drive to Sioux Falls for the weekend before it gets boring. Gabe gets the idea that we should go down to Lake Clearwater to explore the old park. We knew it was a hot spot for older teenagers to go make out or drink or smoke weed. So it's not like it was completely uncharted territory. So we piled into Gabe's dad's shitty little Buick and began the hour trek. As soon as we turn off onto the gravel road leading to the park, the radio quit. This is hardly scary even if you know the legends about the lake. So we made a big show of woohing over it. We messed with it a little but got only static. We eventually parked and got out. The place wasn't really maintained anymore so it was full of weeds and thorns and tall grass. The rotten dock bobbed listlessly on the shiny water. It had been more or less completely taken over by grasshoppers and mosquitoes. But it was beautiful then almost peaceful. Slowly reclaimed by nature. Next to the lake there was a concrete spillway. It's basically just a big concrete hole dug next to the lake. That the water is supposed to go in if it floods. There's a ramp leading from the lake to the concrete reservoir. The bottom of the reservoir is so full of dirt that trees and shrubs are growing in the bottom. We decided this overgrown spillway is the den of the Windigo, 
and started daring each other to go peek down into it, Jamie decided to go first. The ramp was covered in graffiti and full of cigarette butts, so it was obviously well used, and not dangerous. She went down this ramp, and peered over the edge into the reservoir, maybe 25 feet deep. I remember asking her something like, see something you like? And she looked at us and was just, don't you guys hear that? So we listened. We could hear it too. Deep inside the reservoir, we could hear the quiet but obvious sound of a radio playing in the bushes. We all climbed over the edge to look down, anxious to get a look at the famous Windigo that terrorized the town. I remember telling Jamie she needed to go see what it was, and she turned to me all fuck that, and then the radio quit, right when Jamie said it. We all climbed out, laughing that the Windigo couldn't fool us and happy to have a story to tell. The spillway was covered in junk from other explorers so of course it wasn't a huge stretch of the imagination to imagine someone sunbathing there who accidentally kicked the battery operated radio down the ramp and couldn't get it back, just leaving it to play till it died. I still can't help but think we were really stupid not to have taken it seriously. We had our story and if we left there it would have been okay. We all would have just had a stupid little blip to add to the local legends and we could talk about it at school for a while and life would have just been fine but we didn't leave it there. We wanted to go see the tornado shelter before we left. It was scary even when the place was open. It had to be the ultimate test of metal now. We were walking to the shelter when we realized that after the radio incident, the whole place had just gone quiet. Like, no bugs or flies or wind. It was like a big, wet, hot blanket just got dropped on the whole park. We wouldn't be around for long, but we just had to see it. The shelter was made up of a small concrete building, that was basically a staircase leading to a tiny underground bunker. The whole thing was covered in pink and black spray paint, with a crude monster drawing on the door. Noah opened the door and stuck his head in and then turned away from it with and gagged. The inside of the thing absolutely reeked. Even if you've never encountered it before, there's something instinctive about that death smell. You know exactly what it is right away. Jamie and I looked at each other and loudly announced that we weren't going down there. Noah started closing the door when we heard it. It was a crying baby. It was coming from inside the tornado shelter. I remember the hair on my neck bristling, and I felt so cold even though it was a hot day. Me and Noah and Jamie looked at each other silently in shock. Gabe though, he was the rational one, the brave one, the one who would have saved a baby, the one to say oh my god, don't you guys hear that? I remember Jaime's voice shaking when she told him Gabe no, please no, but down the stairs he went. He was such a good guy. Such a brave guy. He disappeared down those steps and the crying stopped. We waited for him to come out, or say something, but the deep shadows beyond the doorway were silent. Noah opened the door and peered in as far as he could stand from the smell and started yelling for Gabe down the stairs, but there was still no answer. We were freaking out. We had no idea what to do. We couldn't even go for help because Gabe had the goddamn keys. We decided that if we all went down together, maybe we had a fighting chance. Strength in numbers. We had to help Gabe. Noah pulled out his Zippo lighter and led the charge into the shelter. I felt something fall and hit me like drops of water. It wasn't water. It was maggots. Hundreds of them were crawling in the walls. The remains of animals covered the floor. The walls had been fucking festooned in streams of red organs like arty favors. Jamie started puking. The last thing I remember, right before it all went black, was the sound of a crying baby suddenly right behind me. I woke up in a field a few miles away from the park. I was filthy and dehydrated, but unharmed. I walked to the nearest road and flagged down a passing pickup. 
The old man in the driver's seat seemed shocked to see me and took me to the police station. My mum showed up later crying and hugged me so tight I almost couldn't breathe. Nobody could tell me what happened except for this much. Gabe was dead. Noah and Jamie were still missing. I have no idea how I got out there. Maybe I ran until I passed out and repressed what happened. Or maybe Jamie pulled me out. Maybe that fucking thing just wasn't hungry anymore. I'd been missing for nearly 48 hours. All I remember is waking up in a ditch. I never saw it. Jamie was found wandering by the highway a few hours later. Noah, or his body, was never found. The police refused to issue any public statements as to what killed Gabe, except that the official cause of death was homicidal violence. I was not allowed to attend the funeral. His parents blamed me and Jamie. I don't hold any grudges towards them. They lost two sons, but I was told that whatever damage there was, it was bad enough for Gabe not to have an open casket. I moved away shortly thereafter. There was nothing left for me in that town. Jamie had turned to hard drugs and self-harm and was sent away. And the rest of the school only viewed me as entertainment by then. I went to live with my cousins in Sioux Falls. I hadn't thought about Clearwater again until recently. Honestly the whole thing had me pretty fucked up. I went back to visit my parents for the first time in a decade. And had made up my mind that I wanted to kill myself. Before doing the deed though I wanted to go back. One more time, just to see if I could get anything resembling answers. I had nothing to lose after all. The old gravel road was still closed. The sign blocking the road has dented and faded, but the road beyond is full of grass and holes, and is slowly being reclaimed by the earth. The one thing between Clearwater and that fucking monster is a road-closed sign. I pulled up to the sign, and looked past it to the trees that slowly got thicker in the distance. Then my radio quit. I looked down at it and felt the silence settle. I pulled into reverse, turned around, and got the fuck out of Clearwater for the second time. I haven't returned since.